0: Hello. Good morning, Tana. We got a longer one for you today. Um, We were in a cult once, my mother and me. And we talk about that in this episode. We were spending time together the other day and we were watching some movies on HBO Max about cults, uh, as one might do on a Sunday. And um, we decided that... It was time to discuss our experience with the Kundalini yoga group. Um, We didn't realize at the time that we were in a group until much later. And we talk about that in this episode. Um, I want to alert folks that if you or someone you know has had experiences with this to um, to listen gently, be kind to yourself and to others. Um, I've left resources in the description of this podcast uh, for folks to use if they feel they need them. This was a really cathartic conversation for my mother and I, and I'm really glad we got to talk about it and share our experience. and some stuff that was on our mind in relation to the situation and how it affected us. And I hope that you enjoy, I hope that you learn something. I hope that you take away from this, that it can happen to anyone, um, but that you can come out on the other side and feel okay. So that's what I have for now. Thank you so much as always for listening, and we will see you next time. Enjoy um hello hi how are you hey mom hey hannah (laughs) (laughs) we're talking about cults today um we were in a cult once were we Yeah. yeah that's how i tell the story when i tell it to friends i always say i was in a cult once do you really say that yeah huh you know i was in a cult once
1: i didn't think i'm glad i don't i didn't actually think you fell deep into it though
0: i was in far enough that i felt messed up after i stopped doing it
1: yeah i can
0: So, like that counts i guess that does count so let's first of all what how let's start at the very beginning because this ultimately is your fault. Well, I certainly
1: <laughs> int- I use
0: that term jokingly. Yeah, I introduced the idea of it to me, but you started it. So what what was the thing? How did you discover it? And like, what were the beginning days of it for you? Like, so I graduated a regular
1: 200 uh, vinyasa training.
0: 200 hours for people who don't know. That's like a basic level yoga training.
1: Yeah. Hardly, hardly basic, but hardly, you know, simple, but, but that's before, like the beginning one, that people the beginning did. one, uh, entry level. So yeah. at the end of that, we were introduced to a, a, a number of different forms of yoga through that training, which was really interesting, actually. Uh huh. And one of them happened to have been Kundalini yoga. And the experience of that class was just mind blowing for all of us there. And so I thought, well, I need to do more of that. And there were, and you know, that last class, that particular class, I hadn't really decided that, Oh, I'm going to go do another training, but I want to go try to do another class because that was really interesting. And in fact, a couple of us did go to some other
0: classes. Kundalini classes. Yeah.
1: And there were two, the one that we went to, there was one actually in Harvard square, not too far from the Harvard bookstore. Mm-hmm. and uh
0: some real estate office now
1: yeah it was
0: a lovely studio really nice space yeah it was really
1: really wonderful and they offered a training and then i heard about uh an ashram in millis and i tried that and i had never actually been to millis and so i went to a class there on some random Tuesday and I was really kind of going back and forth. I was going to the classes just to see if I really liked it. I knew I wanted to continue with another type of yoga training. uh, And I think I had decided that it was that one, but I was trying to decide which location really. Yep. And it just so happened that I decided on the ashram and Millows because it had, you know, it was just more convenient and it wasn't like parking in Cambridge and all that other stuff.
0: So to back up briefly,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you in like a few sentences for folks who don't know,
1: mm-hmm.
0: what was Kundalini in a nutshell? What were you taught Kundalini? What were we taught? kundalini was and two-parter now what were the promises that were made to us Mm -hmm. as students Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and then what were the classes like in order to achieve that goal
1: okay so it is a sort of a householder's yoga which means that you can uh practice it really anywhere And, uh, and it's a technology in quotes that, uh, you you know, really sort of turns your physical life upside down in a way because you've got to meditate for very long hours, eat a certain uh, diet diet, and, um, and then you will break through all of the energy blocks. It, with different breathing techniques, and you will um, break through all your garbage so that you don't actually spew garbage onto the world. That was the that was the marketing
0: ploy. But that is
1: that is the you know I mean most yeah yoga in and of itself the practice of yoga is wonderful for people. It yeah. does do wonders and. Uh, I think that what happens with a lot of this stuff is it gets twisted around. Yeah. Um, so you know, I would go every week to a class, and I what think what would it,
0: what would happen in the class? I want. Can you paint the picture for folks of of maybe the like what would the teacher do? Because I want to get. I want because I understand. I was there. Yeah. I, I remember you going yeah. to classes and like telling me about it before i started practicing myself um i'd also like to say that i had been doing yoga my on my own pretty much since i was like seven or eight my mom had me in um classes pretty Mm -hmm. early i used to do it at a summer camp religiously i would go to classes with my mother and yoga has always been still very much a, a big part of my life and um Kundalini felt to my eyes like a thing like it felt very much like an adult thing. It felt very serious. um can you talk about you know, like open the door for people? What was it like? you go to a class on a tuesday morning what what happened there?
1: So you go in in this big, bright, beautiful room and all white, all white and you you sit uh and you breathe and you meditate and you do some movements, your hair is covered and you chant for, it's about an hour and a half long class. And yeah. then,
0: yeah, that sounds about right.
1: Yeah. And you're doing all these, you know, movements, ex- movements, posture. which in each class is a different, has a different set of movements to achieve a different outcome. Yeah. And- Can you give an example for people perhaps of what one of those might have, might have been? Just so happens that I have mantra sheets here that I kept. Uh, I, so and it, the first part of the class is you open up with a chant, which sort of brings the class together, raises the vibration of the class, which
0: you know it's a sound really yeah. okay uh and so. but before you continue for friends listening who do things like bhakti yoga which i know a lot mm-hmm. of folks i've trained with have done bhakti yoga it's like um sort of like kirtan right you know, it's it's sort of like um you know you start the class with an ohm you end right. the class with an Om. it's that kind of thing continue Exa- exactly exactly
1: Uh, some classes are to, I don't have actually any, um, any in front of me. Um, you know, some classes are meant to break through, uh, whatever block that may be, you know, that you have, you may not even know what it is, you know, but you may have to hold your hands up for 20, 20 minutes. Um, and breathe a certain way to get energy moving. And you don't really know why Right. you're just doing this because this is what the teacher says. Yes. Uh Uh, And so, and then at the end you lie down and you have sort of a shavasana and then um, you, I guess, feel good. Yeah. I mean, there is a breath of fire, it's that rapid breath through your, you know, in your pumping your
0: diaphragm, basically. Yeah,
1: and it can tend to make you feel kind of high. It actually yeah. makes
0: you, it actually makes you lightheaded more than more than anything.
1: Yeah, um, and then you know some of the classes is conversation, uh, and for me, uh, my interaction with this particular teacher started to take it It started off normally um but what i realized much later is that parts of my life she kind of morphed into her life and i think that what i was naive about Mm. is that even though this community is out there and has been out there for 40, 45 years safe, you know, it's peaceful. They live, you know, their own life out there. I took that for granted and I didn't think that there would be a person in there who would take pieces of my life and then sort of make those pieces hers. And I didn't realize that until I was, out of it well, well into the training mm. um in the end so that was that was really hard
0: Yep. Yeah. so my introduction was before i started college mom took me to a class at the ashram with this guy who it's funny for the longest period of time i used to remember exactly what he said but essentially the message of the class I was leaving for school you know sort of getting ready to start life on my own or like in the world by myself and he said to me something like you know you don't have to hold the universe like the universe can hold itself like right. don't don't worry about all the stuff you can't control like just worry about you basically like the universe is the universe it's got itself just take care of yourself and it felt like he knew me without knowing me. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty heavy. Well, I remember that because it was he, very heavy. He,
1: he, I remember that. He was basically saying, don't feel like you have to worry about it all right now. Yeah. And yeah. I think and I think
0: they, look, they're real people. Yeah, but the, but the thing that messed me up the most is, so the, the thing I want to tell people listening is that the promise that was made to students, mm. essentially that if you do all these practices and you eat this way and you live this way and you do all these things, you will achieve enlightenment, right? You know, you will see God, you will, you know, you will mm-hmm. have all these experiences. And for somebody like me, organized religion has never really been my thing. I don't like being told what to do or what to think or how to think or the what I'm supposed to do is my life or my body or my choices or whatever. Like I'm not gonna do that. And so spirituality in other forms, whether it be yoga or humanist philosophical study or studying other faith systems around the world and trying to find a set of ideas. You know capital t truths that are applicable to my life that i can sort of diy a belief system this particular practice felt very attractive because it was do-it-yourself and it was it was in line with things i was very familiar with mm-hmm. but it was also something that I felt like I could build off of. Like I had a foundational meditation practice, etc. Mm-hmm. And I had all these postures and these mantras and these things I could go to. Mm. And as someone who is very spiritual and does believe in God in whatever mm-hmm. form God exists and, right. and so forth, it was really exciting. It, is, it was very exciting. Yes. And so the, the thing that messed me up the most after I got out is that all of it was BS. And if anything, yeah. I was probably damaging my body in doing a lot of that breath work because essentially what you're doing is you're hyperventilating yourself and yeah. you're, and you're straining all of these muscles into, into doing all these things, yeah. holding positions and, um, for me, I also was unaware of like all of the cultural appropriation elements to it as well. So one of the things that Kundalini, the the founder, I'm not going to say his name because, and we'll talk about why mm-hmm. soon. He was a bad guy. Spoiler alert: he's not a good guy. So I'm not going to say his name. Yeah. Uh, so he who must not be named. Yeah. He be. Was. Mm-hmm. Um, He marketed himself as this person who brought this yoga to the West in the 60s. The idea, the scheme at that time was to get the hippies off drugs.
1: It was an an alternative, yeah.
0: Yes, it was an alternative way to get high without technically... high. And at that time, that's a really appealing option for people. right Right. what they didn't know then is that he was a former tsa agent in canada who got a girl pregnant i think by accident i believe so and fled and essentially came up with this idea this kundalini yoga idea what i will also say is that kundalini itself the term kundalini is a real term It's Mm -hmm. real energy that exists in yogic philosophy, right? You can Google it and you can look it up and you can read Mm -hmm. credible information about what Kundalini energy is, right? Essentially, um, I'm going to pull it up here. Well, well, the ultimate life force energy, essentially the, it's a tool to expand consciousness to reach a state of lightness, joy, and boundless love. And there are real documents and things you can read to learn more about that what i was going to say on to sort of add to this is that this guy he who must not be named claimed the big claim was that this as mom said this quote unquote technology mm. was like ancient secret technology that was that he discovered it was this sort of you know for lack of a better way to put it this like come to jesus moment of like seeing mm. some kind of you know ancient secret that he was now delivering to the west in the in the spirit of a um if folks are familiar with yogananda who was the first yogi to bring eastern thought to the right. united states in the 20s and i'll link to to stuff about him in the in the show notes as well
1: yeah
0: um But yeah, that's essentially what the, that's what they don't tell you. Well, I think to circle back to
1: what you said uh, a few minutes ago um, about what is attractive about it, what, what stopped me from actually, even though I went through the 200 hour training, what really stopped me from going head over heels with Mm -hmm. it was that I have very strong familial roots, very strong uh, religious roots, even though I'm not a totally observant Mm -hmm. person. And there were certain parts of what they were asking us to do as, as students that went completely against everything I've ever been taught. Like what? One instance was towards the end of the training we're supposed to read from the holy their holy book, which is, I can't remember the name. I, w- I wouldn't say it right anyway. And it's in a special room. And so everyone who wants to read from this book, they need to kneel down in front of it. And this is supposed to be the word of God. So I'm standing in the back, you know me, I'm standing in the back and I'm already thinking, I'm not kneeling in front of anything because we don't kneel at all. When the Torah comes out of the ark, we don't kneel at all until it's put away. away. So I said to one of our teachers, um, if it's the word of God, why are we kneeling and not standing? And he didn't have an answer. Right. And that was the, that was really it. I, you know, it was sort of like, well, I'm not kneeling.
0: Yeah. Cause one of the things that I think is important to key in on here is that the reason that, and you, if any of you are like either of us and you sit around watching cult documentaries on Netflix or HBO or what have you, one of the reasons that is often cited um, about why people get wrapped up in these things is because they, they prey on this notion that, these, that they, whoever the people are in charge of these groups, they have answers to questions that, you know, these great big, you know, answers of these great big questions. It's, Uh, they are grounded solely on believing. Well, but I I also think
1: that they are catching people at a vulnerable point in their lives where- Correct. You know, that They are looking for a place to belong and or running from a place they don't want to be and or don't have strong enough ties to.
0: Yeah. Predicated solely on faith. Yeah, Right. But they're twisting
1: the words of faith. Yeah. And that is a really powerful thing when you're teaching it. Yeah. and you're you've got a group uh in front of you who's hanging on your every word because say one thing or another, and somebody's in it for
0: yeah.
1: and so I think if I didn't have the strong if I didn't have the strong roots and if I didn't have the belief system I had, then i yeah I don't know that I would have. What Why did I go there to begin with? Because I wanted to learn more. Right. I, I always want
0: to learn more. Yeah, you know, that's the thing. Is, is 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 they they get you in this really um I don't know. Vul- they do. They get you in this vulnerable place. But they also mm-hmm. the thing that appeals about a kundalini situation is that there isn't the only thing that you're doing really is paying for the classes you're not unless you're taking like a teacher training there's no weird like ritual thing there's no like you know there's no strange um and then we'll talk about my my teacher in a, in a moment um who sort of flew in the face of that a bit um
1: well, during our teacher training, we were, we were required to go at four o'clock in the morning and yeah. we were required to do certain things and we were required. And, you know, at the time it's like, I don't really want to try, I don't want to get up at three o'clock in the morning. This is what, you know, Oh my God, what is this going to do for me? Mm-hmm. And ultimately it just made me sleep deprived. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. and did it really, did I learn what I wanted to learn? I got out of it what I needed to get out of it
0: true. I
1: think that's true. You know, I think, I think that people who practice, um, get, can get out of it what they need to get out of it and then move on to something else. Cause there's certainly plenty out there and there's no shortage of, of quiet practices for people to calm the mind and
0: And
1: and all that. And there's absolute benefit to that for your whole, your whole health, all of it.
0: Yeah. And the thing that I I want to sort of piggyback on there is that to sort of jump ahead in the story a bit, Mm. you had stopped going to the ashram before long before the pandemic had hit. Um, Oh yeah. And, but, but we still had yet to really discuss this idea that we were in a group capital G you know, we we really didn't have that thing, I think, because I was still very much practicing at that time. And in, in many ways, I relied upon it more during the pandemic, particularly in the early stages to, a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. I happened upon a um, I'm going to say this person's name only because they are they're a terrible person. This person you no, really shouldn't say their name because that's not fair. Even the Vanity Fair thing, I can't say oh, that. that yeah, but the
1: other the other young person didn't know.
0: No, well I'm not gonna talk about that person. I'm talking oh. about this other person. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, so that, that, that,
1: that person really took advantage of a lot of people during the pandemic. Yes. Yes.
0: So yeah. this person's name was Gudu Jagat. Her real name is Katie Greggs, and she's from Denver, and she um she claimed to be this disciple of the of the he who shall not be named right and um the guru the the guru person and Mm -hmm. she claimed that he had sort of bestowed upon her this um task so to speak to like continue teaching this quote-unquote technology to people because he was almost dead and he died i think in 2003 2004 somewhere in that neighborhood Right. he was sort of lauded in the community as like this saint like figure. I remember seeing his picture on altars. There were big paintings of him. I mean, he was sort of like deified in this weird, creepy, gross kind of way. And this woman developed a studio in New York and they had an online uh, platform. It mm-hmm. was 20 bucks a month and you could pay and you would do the classes, right? Mm-hmm. And you could watch, you know, a backlog of material and there were all kinds of supplementary things. There were all kinds of stuff that you could do. And um, she was attractive to me because she was young. She was in her 30s. She used kind of hip young person language. And I would do these classes every day. I mean, 90 minutes every day. I mean, what else am I going to do in the middle of a pandemic? Right. Mm. And I was getting, I could feel myself relying upon it pretty heavily. Right. And then two things happened. One was they announced the studio announced Mm. via Instagram post, um, the winter solstice festival, which is not, Uncommon for yoga studios to do to have, you know, some kind of astrological element to them, you know, solstice practice or solstice master or whatever it is. Like, it's a very, you know, it's like sort of, I've thought, okay, like winter solstice saying like wasn't required. It was, you know, whatever. Right. Um, Because that's the other thing, too. There was a lot of, you know, language like, um, in order to reach a certain level of understanding, a certain state of being, a certain state of consciousness, you have to do blank, 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 blank. Well, that's the hook, right? Is right. you have to buy the class, you got to buy the lecture, you got to right. do. Because you're different. not quite there until you get that. Until so you get this, always the carrot hanging. Yeah. Right, there. right. And so they announced this festival, and I thought, all right, well, whatever, like that's cool, I guess. And I'm scrolling through a list of some of the speakers. And one of those speakers was a man named David Ike. Yeah. Who is like a noted conspiracy theorist and like, right. Vehemently horrible. He was the guy who thought that like George Bush is a lizard, like total. No, honestly, honestly, gold, honestly, gold, honestly gold. Hannah, I had never heard of that person until the podcast you referred me to. Yeah. He's crazy. And so I thought to myself, I was like, okay, no more money. Like no more money, I'm not paying no way like i'm not I haven't lost my mind enough yet to to be questioned like like there's no way I'm paying for that and so i i had I canceled the thing, and I remember I got an email after that saying, like okay, sorry, you're canceling, but like you have until blank date to use it, and then like you'd have to pay for it again, so I was like, okay, I'll let the subscription run out, and I'll practice until whenever and like that'll be it right and i she would do these like and as you you mentioned before at the top that at the beginning of each class the teacher would talk for like 20 minutes yeah and they would give what is essentially like a philosophical talk a lecture Mm -hmm. um some kind of presentation like you said every class had a theme there was this sort of central idea that um that the teachers would would work with and she was there was one particular class that notably was not very strenuous physically mm. um, <laughs> and uh it was more meditative it was you know very focused on breath and so on and so i would listen to the same conversation that she would have with her students pretty much on a loop so i yeah. wasn't really learning anything new but i was hearing the same stuff and one time I, I picked up on something that I hadn't picked up on before mm. but at a certain point I stopped like listening to it and I would just skip ahead and and like you kind of ignored it yeah but then she said um she mentioned this some woman's name this person I'm not gonna mention this conspiracy theorist person okay. I only learned that because I was like who's this person she keeps talking about like this Carrie what's her face like I don't who is this person? So one night I was I, like, I couldn't sleep. Mm. And I'm in bed and I'm on my phone. And I'm like, who is this person? And I opened up her website and it was just chock full of anti-vax nonsense and like mm-hmm. 5G is going to give you COVID if anybody wants um, yeah. one. I mean, it was like the greatest hits of like, like the early days of conspiracy like conspiracy theory. Yeah. I just broke out laughing. I was like, of course. And what happened thereafter is I was like, okay, I'm fucking done with this. Like, (laughs) this is not good. Like, she's brainwashing people. And I started noticing things that were happening in those years that really were disturbing. One of them was there was a retreat that was held in the midst of, like, the real COVID lockdowns right in person retreat in florida right and they didn't they didn't observe any no of masks, the no, no masks distance, no distancing day. no right right so things like that were starting to happen mm-hmm. and i remember there were still sort of acquaintances that i kept in touch with kundalini people mm. who you know, I would say, Oh, you know, how's your day? How's this? I haven't talked to you about it. how's it going. And I was like, Oh yeah, I get my vaccine today. And like, they wouldn't expand upon that, you know? So like, yeah. I didn't know whether or not they were vaccinated. The teacher wouldn't discuss whether or not she was vaccinated. Mm-hmm. And then it became very clear that this person was a real problem because there was a big, and I'll link to it in the show notes. This massive Vanity Fair profile that was done on her. Mm. And all of these allegations of financial misdealings, abuse, you know. Well and then but, but you can't even you, you can't deny what happened
1: ultimately. She passed, she died suddenly.
0: She died suddenly. And then everything came out. And then everything sort of the, the but, this was, uh,
1: but this was all. This was all a part of it out at at a big, big moment for Kundalini, which was the um, yeah, the olive branch uh, investigation, investigative report, which I actually printed out and I have read it. It's really rather something. And you know, if you've ever done or been a part of something like that, they had to. The organization that, that handled the kundalini um 3-H-O. Stuff, 3HO, they really had to do something to find out whether or not the allegations against the guru were true or not. And, they and what did
0: were really. some of those?
1: Oh, child molestation. Sexual rape, abuse. Sexual abuse, raping women. I mean, so there were a whole bunch of serious, serious allegations that they had to... Have an independent investigation. Um, I think I also have the the article, or the uh, the um, ed, it's the um, article by the professor from that um, podcast you had me listen to about he the one that's doing the study on him, the religious study. It's um, it's Philip Roland D. Slip actually it's a really fascinating article about that the uc santa barbara and how much he knows about the guru and how in-depth he goes into what was real and what wasn't and how long how far back it goes yeah it was very bad and do i feel do i feel that i got cheated um at the time that i had my issue with the ashram That experience for me triggered a PSD, PTSD response for me because of how it was handled. Mm -hmm. I documented it that way. It felt that way. They let that teacher teach. She shouldn't have been able to teach anyone who, if you're going to espouse about ethics and all of this stuff that a teacher needs to know, all of these things, well, then you shouldn't let this teacher teach. If she cannot maintain her own truth, then she shouldn't be teaching other students. That was my issue. Did I feel later on after understanding all this stuff that I felt cheated by it all? I think I had separated
0: it already. I did. Well, you were still closer to it. I felt cheated. Mm -hmm. I felt like I didn't know what to believe anymore because Mm -hmm. I knew I couldn't trust them. Well that I, 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 I knew I didn't feel safe engaging with the material anymore. Right. And so i I've, I wanted and I have always wanted some kind of spiritual practice and spiritual, you know, seeking kind of happening in my life every day. Mm-hmm. And I was always a big fan of people like Ram Dass and Jack Kornfeld and Sharon Salzberg and Mirabai Starr and Mirabai Bush and people like Larry Brilliant, Mm -hmm. who was also one of those folks who was actually the doctor in charge of the team at the World Health Organization who defeated smallpox. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. they were they were doctors who had credible records. You know, they were they were they were transparent about their stories you knew who they were they didn't have weird names they were you know the names that they took the spiritual names that they took ramdas krishnadass etc were given to them but they don't denounce you know richard alpert that's still his name right. right you know and and everybody knows that and and it's it's not like a They're not different people. It's just a a different version of the same person. Right. You know? And I think I learned two things Mm
1: -hmm.
0: in regaining my footing in spirituality after getting out of Kundalini. Because I felt like, because none of it was real. All of it was made up. Everything. Right. Everything about Kundalini was made up. It was all fake.
1: I threw out a lot of books. books. Yeah. Yes.
0: Mm. All of it was BS. And mm-hmm. the thing that I noticed as I was sort of dipping my toes back into this thing is that I was looking to people who had, who you could back up all of this, all of these practices with science or with history that could be found in a public library. Yeah. Like people, so here's an example John Cabot Zinn. Mm hmm. Yeah. was, he was a physician, Yeah, he's a professor, and you can look this up, it's provable, was, mm-hmm. he is the professor emerita for meditation in science at University of Massachusetts Medical School in Amherst. Mm-hmm. And he's this, you know, yes, nice, know same. Yeah. he's like this little Jewish guy from New York who mm-hmm. meditates a lot, but he's yes. a scientist. And yeah. he, he, he has written excellent books and given excellent speeches talking about the use of meditation in treating patients, Right, holistic medicine. Yes. Right? That is something that became very appealing to me. The other thing was witchcraft, mm-hmm. sort of pagan, earth-based sort of pseudo-Catholic, Christi- Judeo-Christian mm. practices that were researchable, right? there were books written on them by people with real degrees from real universities, things that I could prove. Right. And and it became exceedingly more practical Mm -hmm. because when I learned that that you don't have to, because so much of the belief from Kundalini, you had to do it for a certain amount of time. You had to do the meditation for 11 minutes and 47 seconds Right. Some ridiculous thing at 2 a.m. or some crazy time. Right. What Sharon Salzberg will teach you, what Ram Das will teach you, what Krishna Das will teach you, what any of them will teach you, Deepak Chopra, you know, whomever, mm-hmm. FRD, All you have to do is literally sit still and breathe for five minutes. Right. And there's a lecture that Ram Das gave in the 80s somewhere where he talks about breath breathing techniques, which is a, a strain of Buddhism, sect of Buddhism, I should say.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, I think from Tibet, I could be wrong, don't quote me on that. Mm-hmm. But he talks about the, the, the way that you do it is you focus on the rising and the falling of your breath. Mm-hmm. That's like the grounding of this particular technique. There's no special you don't have to sit in any kind of way you just have to focus on the rising and the falling mm-hmm. I would say like when you're sitting in meditation or you're going through life and something happens you identify with an emotion you recognize that you're feeling fear or that you're feeling anxious or whatever you just focus on the rising and the falling mm-hmm. and you will come back into your body for a minute right to be able to regain your footing and it was this sort of light bulb moment of like oh that's what it's supposed to be. that's enlightenment that's what it's supposed to be right that's exactly what it's supposed yeah.
1: to be yeah right and i think it would be interesting to hear what john kabat says about all this stuff kundalini it would just be interesting to get his
0: yeah. opinion
1: simply because i'm he's watched it all yeah and he's watched millions of people fall in and out of it and you know, really it is just a matter of sitting, if you're feeling discomfort somewhere in your body, like a panic attack, find your breath for a few minutes.
0: Yeah, and you'll come back and you'll come back to the ground.
1: Right. Right. So how it, did
0: you um when that Vanity Fair report came out, what um what was your initials sort or of response i wasn't surprised only because i was turned on pretty quickly to a, an instagram account run by an anonymous staffer of guru jagat who was like leaking information from inside the house mm-hmm. it's coming from inside the house so when you turned
1: when you told me about that article, honestly, I didn't really even know that much about her because, don't forget, during COVID, for I had been out of the Kundalini thing for a while. I wasn't teaching it. I was working again, and uh, I during COVID I was working a lot, so yeah. I wasn't paying attention to Instagram, Facebook, none of that. I was just working constantly. So. When fast forward to that article, I'm thinking, who is this? And I can totally see how she took advantage of the moment of COVID, though. Yeah, She had a captive audience, a vulnerable audience of young people who were looking for answers and a powerful message and a way to monetize it yeah and and she did and and how she got involved with the david ike i don't really know that connection i don't really understand that connection um
0: crazy. that's how. huh crazy attracts crazy they're both crazy
1: well but that doesn't explain the real connection and it doesn't explain all the conspiracy theory stuff but i also think it goes to well it is how- evil well, but I think it really needs to be said that uh, how how powerful the social media situation was at the time. That
0: yeah, that but I also happening. think that I, I I'm not willing to.
1: That's not an excuse. But what I'm saying, it no. was surprising to me. I don't really. I never heard of him before, and I never heard anything he had ever said until I heard the podcast that you had me had me listen to yeah uh, I
0: and, think that the, the thing that I just want to say so I can get it out before it eats me alive is this like I'm not willing to give her any credit at all for I don't care what her connection with him was I'm not saying that she should get any credit for anything regardless I think she okay. did I, I think she did a disservice to a lot of people I just think she was evil and she was and and she was evil. Like, I I felt really, at the end of it all, I felt really lost. I felt really upset. I felt really betrayed.
1: Mm.
0: This is my teacher. This was someone I looked up to, someone I wanted to emulate in a particular kind of way. And I didn't feel like.
1: And those are totally normal feelings. There's no. Yeah. And I I I don't blame
0: myself or anybody else for feeling that way. I just feel like. I, I had the right to be angry.
1: Well, yeah, because your your mind is oh, all messed yeah. up. I mean, I, I felt this a long time. I felt the same exact way because you're like, what the heck just happened?
0: Yeah.
1: You know what? What on earth? I just spent like, who are you? And you to, take, to take your to take a.
0: A sort of a. I highlighted it in here. Not to okay. mention all of the cultural appropriation stuff, too. Like, the, one of the things that messed me up the most mm. is, she, and I didn't know any better at the time. Well, who does? But oh. I didn't know any better at the time that they were appropriating the Sikh faith. Well, in the Sikh faith, they don't have anything to do with right, nature. but they but the 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 kundalini people made it seem that they were connected, what's which they're in, not.
1: What's interesting about that is at the ashram, we interact, we we were together, we ate in the same place, but they never interacted with us, you, right? And,
0: and it's, now it's, 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 I know why, right? And I remember you had to wear at, at a certain point, you started having to wear a turban to cover your hair. I, I hate covering my hair. And I'll wear a hat. There were pictures of me Mm -hmm. with a full turban on my head. I I know. And I can't, I I remember there was a certain point when I all, when I sort of came back to life after all this, Mm -hmm. that I was like, that was super Mm -hmm. messed up.
1: Well, so this is how I wrote it. She, this is about my teacher. She used her position in the divine nature of this practice to manipulate me
0: yeah it was messed up and i i, I have tried to keep that in mind in moving forward there's a really excellent book um called brujas chicago university press um by this woman her name is um lorraine montague i'm sure i'm pronouncing her name wrong but she's a phd mm-hmm. um She's got a Ph.D. in communication from the University of South Florida, and she's a bruja. Um, uh, I think she's fourth generation or something in her family. Mm -hmm. It's a wonderful, wonderful book about Latin American culture and sort of how white people have appropriated and colonialized these practices over a long period of time, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. And it's a fabulous book, super informative, very well written, recommend it to everybody and the um the thing that you don't learn when you're in a group like that is like you're not you're you're told that the the thing that you're learning is an original idea Mm -hmm. we're giving this to you this has never been talked about before blah 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 when of course it's a co-opted idea from some other group that has been disenfranchised in one way or another speaking of this book there's another excellent book called white magic Mm -hmm. book of essays I'll, i'll look up who that is i can't remember her name off the top of my head about native people in america and how white people stole everything from them also yeah it's an another excellent excellent book and that is something that i i have really tried to keep in mind and in the journey moving forward is, is remembering where these practices come from, knowing what's accessible to you, knowing what isn't accessible to you and, and, and understanding that, you know, you can't just, because the thing that also messed me up about Kundalini Mm -hmm. is that they, it, the 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 amount of stress that they put on you have to you have to you have to no matter how wrong it felt mm. made me very uncomfortable in retrospect. Well, and the, the thing is
1: too that they're, they're the That's part like, of their I, the, the, right, there's a part of their idea is that they don't they claim not to want to have students drawn to them. Yeah, and yet that's what they do yeah and in their teacher and in their classes the teachers sit above everybody else the students well no one should be above anyone else yeah you know i i think that one of the things that always surprised me was you know my rabbi came down came down and talked to us in and amongst us. It wasn't like he was above us or he was with us learning all that. And I think that they're, you know, they're not supposed to be above us. Yeah. Not supposed to want to um, gather students or have people, you know, wanting um, people to, Be there. They don't want to be a guru, but that's what ended up happening. Right. And it's it is sort of a contradiction of their own, I guess, ethos, if that's what you want to use. But it's was very difficult. It was a very and I never went back. I have not ever been back there. Yeah. And I have, and I have I taught for a little while and I've not taken another class. Nope. Um, And it has it has informed me the the yoga classes that i took the the trainings that i took back to back right definitely made me a more uh capable funeral director but that was not where my path was going no Uh, and it's unfortunate that it turned out to be not
0: true yeah and so, I, yeah so to sort of wrap up um i don't know i guess i just want to talk briefly about your relationship to it now i know we've touched on this sort of throughout but i don't know i guess just w- what are your final thoughts on it on the fact that I mean, we, we are, <laughs> we're regular schmegular white ladies from Massachusetts. There's nothing really special about us. Nothing went wrong. We had, you know, we, we came from a relatively banal southeastern Massachusetts life. We got, there were no family problems. There was no weirdness going on. And yet we still got wrapped up in this. Briefly. Yeah, but we were in it, we were
1: wrapped up in it. I think that, uh, what, what makes me, what it makes me feel is sad Yeah, because it offers something to someone. And unfortunately it's one of those things where I don't know that I would feel, I don't, I can't take a class. I don't know that I would feel comfortable taking a class. Yeah. Um, I don't even like to take a regular yoga class, quite frankly. I think the yoga now is not what it really should be. Or maybe
0: it was intended to be.
1: Yeah, I think that it's too um it you have to look a certain way, you have to have the pose a certain way. My legs are too long, I can't move it this way. You know, it you, you don't have to look perfect to do yoga weight yoga is for every body hmm. okay so I feel that I wouldn't even feel comfortable in a regular yoga class hmm. anymore uh, so th- it's sad because this turned out to be something that it was really it was really disappointing and for- fortunately though we didn't get too too wrapped up that we didn't weren't able to come out on the other side and learn about ourselves a little bit better.
0: Yeah. I guess if I'm to wrap it up a bit, I would say that if anything, I felt motivated to really learn where stuff comes from Mm. and learn how, because that cultural appropriation thing, like really struck me hard, like really, really hard and like Mm -hmm. learning where stuff comes from knowing what I'm allowed to touch, what I'm not allowed to touch, looking for teachers who, you know, are changing the narrative about what wellness and what spirituality looks like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know? Um, Cause I don't know that I want to really be taught by another white lady anymore. <laughs> well, but the other thing too is
1: really, it's like anything else. It's like, it is, knowing what your source is.
0: Yes. But my point is that really being intentional about patronizing teachers who are changing the narrative about this kind of stuff, making it accessible for all people across, you know, LGBTQ people, people of color, all kinds of folks. Yeah. That is something that has become Important for me to think about just because so much of the stuff that I was taught was so harmful to people. I mean, he was, he used to say horrendously fat phobic things. He used to, you know, body shame people publicly. He, he used to, he was an extraordinary misogynist, mm-hmm. he was a terrible, terrible person and. Mm-hmm. For people who do the opposite of that, who celebrate body types that are bigger or smaller or somewhere in the middle, you know, folks who celebrate folks of of all shapes, sizes, classes, and creeds, and understanding what the limits are and what really is practical for my life. Right. Very important. And I just want to say all that because I feel like it's important to say, Um, and it's important to to have that conversation. So that's what I have. Yeah.
1: I think anytime you, you can't just take things on blind faith. Yeah. That's something I learned Mm -hmm. just because it looks great on the surface may not be so great.
0: Yeah. And I'll put stuff in the, uh, in closing here. I'll, I'll just say that I'll um, at the end, um, I'll throw a whole bunch of resources for people a list of books and um platforms and organizations that folks can go support yeah i'll link to the olive branch report i would um, this is the, the disclaimer if you have experienced sexual assault in your life please don't read it you don't have to although
1: um, we can always put resources for people who have
0: yeah no i'll do that too but you're not. Rec- you do not you're not required to read it If you don't want to, if it's triggering for you. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's what I wanted to talk about today. I'm -hmm. glad we did that. Yeah. Yeah. I I think we can put all sorts of
1: informational links in both of our bios and all of that.
0: I hope folks learn stuff. I hope people are sort of, you know, if you're dabbling, just be careful. (laughs) Well, just,
1: just. Don't dive in head first. Yes. Right.
0: And we'll see you next time.
1: Yes. Thank you. Thank you.